Welcome to the Fire Learning Trail. The Fire Learning Trail is brought to you by the Fire Learning Network, the Consortium of Appalachian Fire Managers and Scientists, the Nature Conservancy, and the USDA Forest Service. Your guides on this trail are Greg Phillip and Chase Frisbee from the USDA Forest Service, and I'm Jen Bundy with the Consortium of Appalachian Fire Managers and Scientists. Welcome back and thanks for listening again. In this chapter, we're going to be discussing succession. The term succession is used to describe this predictable pattern of changes we see in natural areas. We typically look at succession as a cycle that starts with a disturbance, something that causes a change in the environment, which is followed up by new pioneer growth meaning smaller plants and animals that will move in after the disturbance. And then as those things settle the environment, we start to see bigger and bigger growth. So for example, you might see a storm come through, knock out a few trees. After the trees are down, you might see small grasses and herb plants coming in, maybe wildflowers. Those will make way for larger plants like shrubs and bushes, and those eventually make way for trees again until the next disturbance. This is something that we all see take place time and time again. You can see it on small scales, like in your yard, or on large scales, like over an entire forest. And I always joke that it's one of those things that we all know, we all see, but, you know, scientists had to give a word for it. So that word is succession. We're going to be going over that today and talking about some of the benefits of maintaining this process and how it relates to fire and controlled burns. And let's start at the start. Greg, if someone is listening to this while standing in the forest, in the Grandfather Ranger District where you work, what sort of disturbances might they see or how might succession look in this area? A good example of succession would be just a quit mowing your yard, which I do that from time to time. You can just watch what starts to take over and And it doesn't take long. You've got new trees coming in, briars. You know, things happen fast. So, you know, we talk about devastating fires or they're really not devastating because everything's a cycle and it's just part of nature. It's going to come back no matter what kind of disturbance we have. Sometimes it takes longer, but it's always going to regenerate. And that's, that's just a natural process. The forest you're standing in isn't going to stay in its current state forever. The environment is not static. If we had a disturbance come through this area, like say a wildfire, then the first thing you would see is some pioneering species come back, your grasses and forbs and herbs. After that, you might see some, some bigger species like blackberry briars and locusts. If you see pastures that have been let go, one of the first big trees that comes back in those areas are, are black locusts. Those along with uh, the yellow poplar, yellow poplar will sprout quicker than, say, your oaks and um, and maples. They tend to come in a little bit later in the successional period. And the start of this whole process is what we call disturbance. Now, this word is kind of general or broad. So, Chase, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. A disturbance could be big or small. You've got your large wildfires that create a big disturbance, but a disturbance could be something as small as just a a tree falling in the woods and opening up an open area, and then you'll have that new growth coming in. Um, Just one tree falling can open up more sunlight to the ground to let different species come in and get started. Other disturbances in the forest could be windstorms or ice storms, uh, putting more fuel on the forest floor. Uh, insect or disease could 
could come through and be a big disturbance. The southern pine beetle came through in the late 90s and, and killed a lot of the southern yellow pines on the grandfather district. And it's still still an issue for us in fire management today. And I briefly mentioned in my intro that the process of succession is something we actually try as humans to maintain through things like controlled burns. So a controlled burn would be the disturbance in that case. And then as we go through the cycle of the pioneering species and then the larger and larger growth, we see a lot of benefits to our native and endangered species, especially. As the regeneration starts, it helps provide food for a lot of endangered animals and a lot of the animals we like to hunt, like deer and turkey and grouse. In a low intensity the wildfire or controlled burn, it will expose all the acorns. It makes an easy meal for deer and turkey. They can come right in and have a smorgasbord. <laughs> a smorgasbord? Yeah, a lot of times before the smoke even clears, you've got wild turkey back in your burns. A lot of insects respond to that heat. I believe the turkeys come in to, to eat those insects. And deer seem to be just fascinated with burn areas. They come in and, and lick some of the minerals that the fire's exposed. You just see a lot of wildlife, even just hours after a controlled burn. With absence of fire, we don't have as much of that early successional growth across our district. We feel like that was a factor in populations coming down on our deer and turkey and grouse. But we're hoping with more burning and, and wildfire, we can see those populations start to come back up. And I know for a lot of people, that seems sort of counterintuitive because we hear disturbance or wildfire. And what actually happens to animals during a wildfire or a controlled burn? In a controlled burn, we try to light the fire on the top of a ridge to where there's plenty of time for the animals to get out. We we never try to, we call it ring firing, where you would just encircle a big block of land with fire. We don't want to trap any animals when we're doing our prescribed fire. And usually there's people in the burn area the day before. You know, we've got helicopters, a lot of machinery. So animals are on the move just because of the people being in the area before the fire actually gets put on the ground. A lot of your small animals, rodents, snakes, they burrow underground and they've got plenty of time to get underground before the fire comes through. You know, in a low intensity burn, the squirrels can get up in the tops of the trees and just ride the heat out. In all, in all my firefighting career of 13 years, I've never, never found a damn animal in a control burn or a wildfire. They just have a, just a natural ability to smell that smoke and they just, um, they just always seem to get out before, before the fire gets to them. They're moving out well in advance of the fire. There's even some studies going on right now that wildfire may even be helping helping rattlesnake populations because in those early successional areas, there's a lot more uh, mice and rodents. And some scientists are thinking that fires will even help snake. That was kind of a misconception of mine. I always thought fires might burn up some of the snakes, but even the snakes get away from the fire. We did photo point monitoring for wildlife in burned areas and unburned areas, and it was amazing the difference to the number of wildlife inside the burn areas as opposed to in areas that hadn't burned. Okay, so we know what follows all this animal talk is how about plants? Does succession help plants as well? And, and we have seen a lot of examples and evidence that show especially native plants or endangered plants do really well after disturbances, in this case specifically after fires. One species we have in this area is table mountain pine. Its pine cones are serotonous, which means they'll only open at high temperatures, um, usually from the temperatures from fire. Uh, people say that it sounds like Velcro walking through the forest as those pine cones open up. Yeah, the turkey beard is another 
interesting plant. It will grow under the shade, but it will only only bloom when it gets open areas where the sunlight can reach the forest floors where you'll see it bloom and really take off. Another plant that could benefit from these open areas would be blueberries, and you can pick some for yourself while you're out here in the forest. Some tree species will spend a lot of their energy um, putting height on so that they can get their leaves up into the sun, whereas other tree species will spend that energy with deep root systems. Oaks will spend a lot of their energy putting in root systems uh, as opposed to putting on height to their canopy, um, which makes them more fire resistant. Um, So then if a fire again came through that area, um, that oak would sprout back from those healthy root systems, whereas some of these earlier trees wouldn't. To take advantage of that cycle, a lot of the prescribed burns we do will burn repeatedly uh, on that three to five year rotation to help get the plants back in the composition that we're looking for and structure. So with having disturbances, this keeps our native species growing and not letting our non-native species get a hold. And as visitors to these natural areas or people who live adjacent to wilderness areas or national forests, we actually benefit from maintaining this process of succession as well. Like we said, it keeps those invasive plants out. It keeps us picking blueberries in the summertime. Disturbances help create those big rewarding views at the end of hikes and at our overlooks. There are studies now that show that it's also helping us keep clean drinking water, which we know is a major concern in a lot of places. Uh, Disturbance is a natural process. It does help the native species grow in our forests, and those native species will store less water, uh, allowing more clean drinking water for us. Succession takes a lot longer in some areas versus others. When I worked in Montana, you could um, clearly see fires that happened in the 80s where you only had head-high trees where things just grow really slow and come back slow. But here in North Carolina, within 10 years, you've got mature trees starting to come back. It's even hard to pick a fire out that happened in the 80s, whereas in Montana, you know, you can clearly see where your fire scars were 20 and 30 years ago. Then you go down to Florida. I've done prescribed burning in Florida where you can't even hardly tell where a fire had came through two years before because things grow so fast. Yeah, that reminds me of that old philosophy quote that change is the only constant. And that's definitely true in nature. It's been shown time and time again. But that's all we have on succession for this chapter of the Fire Learning Trail podcast. Thanks for listening and join us for the next episode when we discuss the history of forestry and fire safety in North Carolina. If you need more information, you can contact the Grandfather Ranger District Office or the Nature Conservancy in Asheville, North Carolina. CDs will be available at information cabins in the Pisgah National Forest. And feel free to use our hashtag, GoodFire, G-O-O-D-F-I-R-E, when posting about your visit to this trail on social media.